Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Finn is back, back, back. Score us tries, tries, tries. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Tartan Rugby, sponsored by TT Earth Sciences, bringing you the latest Scottish rugby news from the 2021 Guinness Six Nations. And what a week to start with Scotland beating England at Twickenham for the first time in 38 years. With me in the virtual studio today, we have lifelong Scotland fan Ian, who currently plays as a scrum half for a team down in Southampton. We have avid sports fan Chris, who's been a, a lifelong England fan, although he does have a soft spot for Scotland, even if he won't tell you that himself. Finally, we've got Tim, who played rugby down in England and coached up in Scotland, considers himself a bit of an international man of mystery. Chris... Tell us, what do you think about the game on Saturday? Well, as you know, I've been a I've been an England fan for most of my life, but always had a, an affinity to to Scotland and Scottish rugby in general. Um, I think it, the results sort of spoke for itself. You couldn't be as an England fan, you couldn't be surprised. I mean, I was just impressed by the way that Scotland turned up. Yeah. They they looked they looked by far the better team they looked like they had a solid game plan and they executed it and England sort of had one plan it was completely dominated by Scotland and they didn't really know where to go next or they didn't really do anything to sort of change yeah change the direction of the rugby no plan b what what did you think of the lineups when they first were announced Ian last week yeah i was i was excited about the scotland team i've got to admit it was uh it's the first time I think we've seen a a rock solid team, especially in the back line. Um, you know, there's not much known about Cami Redpath, but um what a what a display he put on. Um yeah, I was I was pretty impressed all round, really. I mean England obviously missing a few players, but um, you know, overall I think we probably could have done without Maitland, but here we go. Um yeah, no, solid. <laughs> solid. It was a good matchup. And Tim, what did you think of the game? Yeah, it was a great game. I I guess it's um Funny for me because I'm probably the only one of the group who actually remembers the last time Scotland actually won it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so it was a funny one. And I, as I say, I thought what I thought actually before the game was when I saw, when I saw the lineups for the two sides, I actually thought it would be a very close contest. I thought the mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was on for a, for a big game, and and I was quite interested just as, as an aside before the uh, before the Six Nations started. England were two to one to win the tournament. That's not a grand slam. That's to win the tournament. Two to one. Scotland were coming in in at eighty to one. Now that's uh, but fortunately, unfortunately, massive. the bookies are shut, so I never sort of went to the bet. And I'm too <laughs> digitally challenged to sort of bet online. But uh, I think it shows maybe people's expectation. But I, I thought they were looking. You know, I thought it was going to be a. I always thought it was going to be a close game, and as I say. Score-wise, it was, but you know, Scotland just outplayed England off the park. So, uh, yeah, you know, great. But I thought the lineups, you know, had a, had a, the ideas of a good match. You know, England missing a few of their more experienced players, but I, I think over the last couple of years, Scotland under Townsend have sort of, you know, although he changes personnel, you, you know, you feel that they all know each other's game. And, you know, they were looking strong. So, you know, 
It looked like it was going to be a you know it looked to have the makings of a good good game you know before the start. So I think I think from our perspective, I mean you know Tim pointed out there that he was the the only one around for the last time we won at Twickenham. I mean we've gone you know since we were born you know seeing seeing Scotland lose and never win away at Twickenham. I mean as a Scotland fan, that's just madness. It was. It was unbelievable. I can't say it was the easiest game to watch because I was on the edge of my seat. It was always is with Scotland. But, you know, from our perspective, growing up and just loving rugby and just always supporting Scotland no matter what. And suddenly we're beating them at Twickenham. I mean, that is what a moment. I just wish we were there, you know. Were you emotional, Ian, when the whistle went? Yeah, I had tears in my eyes. I'm not going to lie. The only the only other time I've cried at a Scotland game was when we nearly beat New Zealand at Murrayfield in uh, the Autumn Test a couple of years ago. It was, must have been, what, three or four years ago now? Yeah. But we were so close. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just the environment and being at the game. But even that game at the weekend, sat on my sofa with uh, the English missus sat next to me. I was in tears. It was mad. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> and just how did you defeat? Uh, she, well, kind of. She had the England top off at half time, so I think she knew. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, so I don't think you want to go there, Ian. Actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, although um, we have seen Scotland beat England before, like we've said, we've never seen them beat them at Twickenham, but we've also never seen them win in quite that fashion with mm. sheer utter dominance. When you look at the stats, I think uh, Scotland were up around seventy percent possession which is just unheard of. And I think it was just territory as well. You just saw every single, it seemed like every single kick that a Scottish player made or every single line that someone took on a ball was so much more, so much more impactful than um, what England were trying to do. Ben Youngs was box kicking because they were pinned back. And I know Ali Price, Ali Price in the first five minutes had about two, two or three kicks yeah. charged down, which was, I'd imagine, from a Scottish perspective, quite nervy. Mad. But he, sell, he, he settled in. And I've been what, um, I've been really nerdy here. Just talking about kicks, Chris, I've been really nerdy and checked what mm. the kicks in play were. And Ali yeah. Price and Ben Youngs were box kicking nine each. They had nine kicks yeah. each in the game. But if you look at the, the kicks in play with Russell and, um, and, and Owen Farrell, it was mm-hmm. eight kicks from Farrell, but 17. Russell's like, over doubling that. I mean, it was wow. it's madness, you know, or nearly doubling. And then, and then you've just got the superhero kicks of Stuart Hogg, who what was it <laughs> out of his twenty-two all the way down to the five? I've never, yeah. I've never yeah. seen one of the best kicks I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see Ronan O'Gara's tweet on the spiral? It's back in business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the things early on, is, uh, I think you were saying, and I think, I think. Uh, a big influence on the game, though, was um, you were saying about those early early uh, charge downs on Ali Price's kicks. Yeah. One of the interesting pieces I thought of the game, which I thought set a sort of pattern, though, was uh, was that Ali, he had his kick charged down, and Atoji then gave away a penalty. Yeah, uh, almost on the line, and that was the first of I think about four penalties which took Scotland down in the twenty into the twenty two. Yeah. And then they kicked a penalty. And I, I just thought that it, England sort of seemed to sort of have no concept of sort of just playing a game, you know, a pattern and sort of trying not to concede silly penalties. They just, they let themselves go down that from an attacking position. They let themselves get taken right down to the other, 
end of the pitch just by indiscipline and silly penalties as well. You know, you all sides yeah. give away penalties, but none of them were particularly what I'd say pressured penalties that you're going to have to give away. It just it just sets a pattern for that, particularly the first half where England conceded so many penalties. And I, I think any side conceding that number of penalties is 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 going to be under pressure, and they're certainly going to be under territorial pressure with the uh, Stuart. Stuart Hogan, Finn Russell kicking you, you know, kicking you deep into your own half. So, yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think it was about four. It was four penalties in the first ten minutes. Um, yeah, and it was all. It was all centered around the forwards. And as soon as you, as soon as you, sort of put yourself on the back foot in terms of forward play, i.e., you don't feel like you can contest the way that you plan to contest from the outset, and you're not able to slow down a ball in a way that the ref agrees with i.e. you get pinged four times in 10 minutes i really do think that that shakes how you approach a game and i think scotland mm-hmm. capitalized on that really early really well and england didn't they didn't react in a sense that they just didn't change the way that they were planning to to deal with the scottish onslaught so do you, do you think they almost yeah. expected to go over when they're you know they're getting penalties that close inside our 22 and our five like tim was saying but you know it's almost as if they because they they always go over you know they, they're expected to go over that close to the line you know a bit like exeter and they just they just didn't they just it was every time they were they were messing up or you know it's almost as if they expected um to have an easy run of it in inside the 22. What, what what do you think that was down to the lack of discipline? Do you think that could have been due to the inactivity of the Saracens players just not having played for a while? Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, I think England didn't look sort of in the right place for that game. I think I think you you know they sort of they did look very undercooked. I, I mean, you know, I guess particularly the Saracens players who hadn't had any games, and that you know it did it did show. I mean, Scotland looked to be on their game in almost every aspect. I mean, there was just like fits and starts of English, you know, play, but it never really sort of, there was no continuity, you know, very, everybody seemed to be working separately, whereas Scotland, they seemed to have a plan. They all seemed to be up for it. They all seemed to know what they were supposed to do, you know, and they just seemed to have the edge in, you know, their back row were fantastic. They just got in there before the English back row. It was, you know, they just seemed, you know, a better prepared side on the get, on the day. Yeah, and I think, and I think, I don't know if it, you can't really say it's anything like inexperience. I know that England had a few starters who don't usually start. Ellis Genge is usually, from what I remember, an impact sub who yeah. comes on for the scrummaging. And then Johnny Hill was obviously someone That's who has last, last 80 minutes without losing his temper. <laughs> Well, that's that's usually the reason, and but I do think you just didn't see, you didn't see that usual, as you said, impact in terms of Billy Vunapola wasn't carrying the ball. Um, Maru Toji gave away a lot of penalties, um, and I, it's it's hard it's hard to say whether because because they're not playing often, it's hard to say whether that was a factor, but. You certainly can't disregard it. I think, I think it's probably a bit of both, as you said, Toby. I think it's a bit of Eddie Jones not preparing them for um, Scott this Scotland team. Which, on paper, if you look at everyone there, apart from maybe Duham van der Merwe and Scott Cummings, um, 
they've all played with each other now for two years solid under um, Gregor Townsend. And I think when Gregor first took over, it was hard to change from Vern Cotter's original setup. Um, and that's changed the system is always going to be a shock. And I think that's why England often found it quick to get going against it because Scotland took a while to get started. But Scotland for the past couple of years has always seemed to take a while to get started. And then once they're in their rhythm, they prove really dangerous, but then they're, they're always fighting that deficit, but they started like they started so fast from the outset in this game. I don't think England were expecting that. I don't think they were expecting that much of a, of a fight that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the pundits were saying before the game, Whichever team got off to a strong start would probably bode well for the rest of the match. And Scotland certainly did that. Mm-hmm. Do you think potentially the lack of crowd would have had an effect as well? Um, obviously, that would have been in Scotland's favour playing at Twickenham. But how much of an effect do you think that might have had? I think massive, isn't it? It's, you know, I mean, more so for, I think, more so in Scotland's favour, not having the English crowd there. But I mean, especially at Murrayfield, they love they love the crowd, and it's almost like that sixteenth man, isn't it? Um, you know, mm. I suppose you could say the same for England as well, especially in this kind of a fixture. Um, so yeah, I think you know it could well have been, especially for the players who haven't played in a while. Um, you know, it's a bit of a shock to the system coming into an empty stadium. Well, definitely. Um, I mean, as an aside, it was uh, um, the Six Nations. Uh, you know, home wins are more common than away wins. Yeah, know? and they were saying yesterday until. Wales fought back in the in the since the Six Nations been um, running that on no opening Saturday at all would there have been three away games if Ireland had managed to hold on against uh, Wales. So I, I mean, obviously, home advantage has been nullified uh, a little bit from the from the lack of crowd. So, uh, mm. but I don't think that was a sort of key factor. Yeah. I think it was just you know, I think it was driven by the attitude of the Scottish players who just wanted. To end that 38 years, as I say. So it's just a shame that a crowd didn't see it because to me it was a, it was a real typical Six Nations game where the side was good on the day one. The rugby was a great as a spectacle, but it wasn't always like open flowing rugby, you know. So, but it's a, a real typical, you know, February Six Nations game, I, I, I thought. And, uh, you know, well done, Scotland. Those guys really wanted it. So. And they got it. Anyway, let's hope we'll see some crowds at some time. But I, don't think, I think they're out for the rest of this championship, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, at least the beer's cheaper. I think that's about the only bonus I can take from watching <laughs> it on my sofa. Um, yeah. But no, it's because you're right. I mean, I've not I've not been fortunate enough to see a Calcutta Cup in Twickenham. But seeing it in Murrayfield, it's one of the... It's sort of that hair on the back of your neck um, atmospheres. Yeah. And I think... I agree with Tim. I think Tim put it really well. Um, I think it would definitely be a factor. It would certainly raise nervousness, I think, for Scotland going there, or raise sort of intensity and sort of desire on both sides. Um, and that can be to the detriment, um, sometimes with discipline. Because um, England started off that game with really, really good field position. And, you know, if a fired-up Scotland come out, they might have a tendency to, you know, Miss kick it here and there, or flying off their feet, kind of what England did themselves. So you think if there's if there's a crowd there, you you think it might be a factor, but I don't think it. 
<laughs> I don't think you could yeah, use that's it. That's a good point, yeah. Chris. You feel like uh, it brought a sense of calm to the Scotland team, which yeah. actually played to their advantage. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think from an England perspective, you can't you can't use a lack of crowd as an excuse. It's just, it's just they didn't turn up on the day. Yeah, I think I think we're agreed. Yeah, I think we're all agreed that England England sort of didn't seem to be where they needed to be, and Scotland Scotland certainly were there. So it was. Uh, you know, it's the way it finished. I do think getting back to this maybe slightly calmer performance by Scotland, I, I mean, you know, Gregor Townsend always strikes me as in his interviews and that he always, you know, he's not sort of firing the sort of the sort of trump card of fervour and that. He always seems to actually sort of, you know, he, he wants this sort of controlled aggression rather than just sort of wild, wild aggression sort of way to play the game, you know. So, so you've got to have that sort of will to get to the ball but at the same time. You know, you still got to know what you're doing when you get there, and you know the Scottish players all seem to know the plan. They all seem to be able to work to that. You know, mm-hmm. and it's actually obviously Hogg and sort of Finn Russell stood out, but I I, I thought a feature of the game was that I think the majority of the Scotland team, you know, all the Scotland players, they just seem to play well as a unit. You know, the front row, were, you know, held their own in the scrums. The second row were good in the line. You know, everybody did yeah. their jobs. Everybody made their tackles. It was uh, really just a, you know, good all-round performance. I think, yeah, I think that was it. I think Scotland and Tommy. I know you've touched on discipline already, but it was just even just defensively. Um, Ian, I was looking up stats um, after the game as well. Not a single line break was conceded by Scotland. Yeah, and that's England, Six line breaks conceded, and you look at the. Oh. I was sitting there, and you just—it's really good. I said this to my flatmate Tom. Um, you sit there and you, you look at the likes of Johnny Gray and it's good to see them back up to full fitness, playing a full match or almost a full match and just them being the first at the breakdown and really, really just securing that ball and having yeah. a really solid break I mean, to work from. Everybody, everybody's, every, yeah, everybody's saying it and, you know, him going to going to Exeter, you know, along with the likes of Hogg and stuff, and you know, all the pundits are always all over that kind of stuff, but it is true, they're just getting conditioned far better, you know, there's mm-hmm. upfront rugby hitting every ruck, you know, they, they just know where to be, uh, I think that sort of style of gameplay, just mentally is far better um, you know, on the pitch, and it's, it's obvious Yeah, and, I, and nice to see a return of Richie Gray as well, yeah. it's been a while <laughs> For the 15 minutes at the end, but it was, it was brilliant to have them both on <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys make of the the debut players, the the battle in the centres between Redpath and Lawrence? Uh, in my opinion, there was only one one winner there. Uh, Lawrence didn't really see too much of him, to be honest. But uh, Redpath was outstanding for his opening game. What a play by Townsend to to bring him in, you know, uh, relatively late on. Um, you know, in, into the training camp or whatever, and then having him involved in so many plays, you know, it was all training ground moves. Um, you saw him smashing up, and um, to utilize a brand new guy like that was was, was brilliant. And that was class. I think for a young player, I mean, how old is Cameron Redpath? Is he twenty one? Twenty one. Um, yeah. He 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 didn't he didn't win it for Scotland, but there's and this is this is a, a classic thing with watching Scotland is. Even as an England fan, you you never feel you're quite out of it <laughs> when when the score is six eleven and it's still sort of seventy seventy odd minutes left on the clock. 
you never feel like you're quite out of it. You feel like, right, if we can just keep working here, if we can break them down, they're bound to make a mistake at some point yeah. because that's what's happened for yeah. the past 38 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's um, classic Scotland. We exactly. Yeah. But I think, I think there was a really key moment where Cameron Redpath had, it was just, it was, it was an innocuous ruck in the center of the pitch and Cameron Redpath made it, someone made a tackle. It might've been Chris Harris. Um, Cameron Redpath got over the ball within about a second, second and a half, sealed it off. Um, the England player got pinged for holding. And it was at that point, it was at that point you realized this is a really, really well conditioned side. And for it, for a, for such a young player to make a debut and not look out of place at all. And 12, I think, is one of the hardest positions to defend and attack from because you're constantly getting targeted. Um, and if the 10 gets sucked in to sort of cover a, cover a forward, you're kind of left exposed. And we mentioned it before, but zero line breaks from England just shows the testament of that how that back line managed to hold whole position and make sure that England basically had no no direction and nowhere to go. He's got a good rugby brain, I think, sort of Cameron Redpath. Yeah, he's he's got he's got a good mix of he's got speed, he's got good skills. I think he reads the game well. So I think he's gonna be a big player for the mm. future. I mean in terms of the new caps, obviously sort of Lawrence, well Lawrence had played a little bit in yeah. the autumn, but it was his um, Six Nations debut. He, it's interesting because, of course, uh, him and Redpath were actually ex-teammates. Uh, um, they both played together in the England under twenties. Yeah. So, and they formed they formed a centre pairing at that time. So, they obviously knew each other's game sort of very well. So, it's uh, I think certainly he came out on top, but maybe that's quite hard on Lawrence because I think probably uh, with uh, you know with so little ball going in his direction yeah. or sort of structure game, I think he's probably. <laughs> I wouldn't single him out necessarily as one of the, uh, you, you know, poorer England players. You know, as I say, he just it was slightly anonymous. That's it. I think it was again, Ian. Just looking at the stats, it was three. It was Ollie Lawrence had three one carry for a total of three meters in the entirety of the pitch <laughs> the time that he was on the pitch, which you don't really want from your inside centre. No, that's a big, that's <laughs> a big defensive, yeah. big defensive set for that game, yeah. isn't it? From him and, Ka- and Cameron no, Redpath, no forward movement. Yeah, five, Cameron Redpath five carries fifty two meters. So even if you just look at it on paper, the impact that that is is massive. Um, so and I, I totally agree with Tim. I don't think you can blame Ollie Lawrence for that in the slightest. I think he's going to be he's going to be a very good player, and it's it's probably not bad for him to have a game like this in his career very early on because he'll remember it and he'll remember next time he plays. Um, that he doesn't ever want to be remembered as the guy who only had one carry for a total of three metres throughout an entire game. I mean, your, de- your debut game is obviously going to be hard enough, but when you're, your team's on the back foot for almost the entirety, it's by no means ideal. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully in the upcoming games, he'll have more opportunities to show, show us what he can do. But I, th- I think that maybe raises an interesting point is that though there is is that's the excellent of the excellent for the Scottish performance is that they they seem to stifle England from being able to do anything constructive really in the game. So it was uh 
you know, the fact that Lawrence, it really does sort of just show how well Scotland played, how well they just, they just strangled the, you know, the midfield area of the game. They just were so, you know, strong and in, in command. So well done Scotland on that <laughs> yeah. one. And what, what do you, what do you boys think of the, the yellow card? I've got, uh, I've got an email here from a Jordan from Aberdeenshire. And he seems to think that Finn Russell should not have been given a yellow card. He thinks it was just instinctive and he thinks a penalty would have been satisfactory. From my opinion, I think it was a pretty clear cut yellow. It's yeah. especially, especially as that I said this at the time, you don't know if he gets through that line if the man behind Finn Russell's making that tackle um, or if he steps him to the side. And that's that to me is a... It's not a try-scoring opportunity as such, but it's an opportunity in the 22. And as a result of his shin, he's he's gone down and England have only got a penalty from it. They've only got three points now. Um, for me, it changes the face of the game and it's a pretty obvious yellow. And I agree it's instinctive, um, but it doesn't make it smart. And it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely intentional. And I think those two reasons are the reasons why you've got to give a yellow card yeah I think yeah. I think uh, you know Ben Young has done him on the inside and he's he's really been caught off guard which is unusual for Finn and uh, and yeah yeah he's just he's just instinctively tried to get back albeit his leg first so yeah, I'd agree with the yellow um, but what a terrible time to come just before half time um, yeah you, know. you say that you look at Scotland dealt with it very well. That's it. You look at it on paper and it was the right thing to do. (laughs) Because if he doesn't do that, you don't know what the end result is. Exactly. Um, He's through. So, yeah, you know, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. He clearly, clearly took Ben Young's down with his leg. But uh, in fairness to, in fairness to Russell, that England were really flooding the, that 10 channel at that moment in time. So potentially good. Sounds like something you would have done. (laughs) <laughs> how, how do we think Finn Russell played I think I mean yeah, Finn well. like for sure would have been deserving I mean you could have given it to like numerous Scotch players I think it was mm. it was such a well-rounded team performance um, but you know Finn was class and he, all, he always is and what I loved was just seeing the freedom he had to, to play openly you know you, you, you know you saw that fallout they had like what was it last year because of um, you know this freedom to play and this sort of there was too much structure. So I think, you know, it's almost as if he's, yeah, I mean, he just, he was class in the back, wasn't he? And he just, he had so much time to, to play. Um, so yeah, you give him for that. But I mean, Hogg captaining from all the way back there in 15 was tremendous. And I think, you know, he made some awesome breaks and was nearly over the line at some point. So yeah, it looked like he was back. Yeah. I mean, he, in the Autumn Nations, he just, he, that was where he lacked. He was, you saw him playing for Exeter and he was running from deep in his own half. Um, and he didn't do that in the Autumn Nations. He was actually quite poor and just quite static. Whereas that game we saw at the weekend, he was he was everywhere and doing what he does best. And that cause is just devastating. Yeah, I think he was worried about his new hair. I think it was just going in. <laughs> and he was a bit nervous that someone might hit it or he might get a stud and he have to get it all done again. But now that it's fully back in, he's just, he's like a young, he's a young Stuart Hogg again. He's in his prime. Um, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got, got his, exactly, he's got his mojo back. But he was, he was unbelievable. Um, I, when I was, when I was watching it, I thought, I thought Hamish Watson had a really good 
Um, yeah, yeah. Really, really good match. Yeah, but he always, always does, does, and that's it. I think I think that sometimes gets overlooked. But he was one of, if not the first, of the ball every single time. Some of his some of his crash balls, he made some really good meters. Um, yeah. But you, as Ian said, you could have given it to a handful of Scottish players. I think. I thought Rory Sutherland as well had a very good game. He was strong in the scrums and just solid throughout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, since he's coming to since he's coming to the side. Recently, and um, you know, Zager Ferguson sort of looking fit to get, yeah, fit at the moment. You know, the Scottish scrummaging is, is mm-hmm. very strong. You know, they're holding their own, and all, all the scrums, they're, they're up for it. And I think Rory Sutherland came back into the Scottish team uh, sort of last year, in, just into last year. And I think he came back on a sort of very bad injury. And, you know, to get to actually get back playing again, it's been a big thing. And he's, you know, he's not just playing; he's, you know, he's beasting, he's beasting a lot of good front rows out there. You know, so I think he's, uh, he's, he's one that you want to, you know, let's hope keep fit and you know, can really show what he can do during this championship. Yeah. Um, Jake, it's a platform. Do you think it's a platform from Scotland to go and uh, take the Six Nation by the by the by the horns? Well, the, one, the ones that we could have got 18 to 1. <laughs> yeah, when, essentially, uh, essentially should I bet on it? <laughs> so that's, that's the real question. Should I put a bet on it? I don't want to sort of preempt anything. As I say, I mean, for me, um, you know, Scotland have obviously had an ideal start. I mean, I guess one, I mean, one thing I think we've talked about a few times in, in terms of in terms of this scoreline, uh, you know, England were never that far away considering, you know, Scotland were dominating the game and Maybe a sort of a slight lack of ability, although they had a very dominant performance, to maybe convert yeah. that into points mm. and leads might might be a bit of a worry against a side of you know the French. You're playing against France or Ireland, and they're really firing on all cylinders. You know that. You know you'll want to be convert. You know making sure that you convert pressure into scoring and you know carry games because you know England were only a score away throughout that game. And, Yes, the defence was strong, but you know that's only one mistake. Yeah. You know, defence yeah. lapse, and you could, you know, you could have, you know, a great injustice in that game. Yeah, I, it's definitely one one thing you could maybe scold Scotland for is just not being clinical in that final stage of the final. Yeah, I'd absolutely that. agree. We had so many. I think we must have had at least two opportunities to 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 score a try close to the line um with the forward pack and then we left two penalties out there you know if they'd been slotted it was it would have looked like 16 you know 6 instead of 11 6 or 17 6 sorry um so you know that that changes yeah, that changes true. the scoreline completely um i think but yeah you're right tim just one score away and it's typical scotland to to lose that in the last minute of the game two and a half minutes to go until the clock went red and they, they decided to pick and go for two minutes, 30 <laughs> seconds ago, and then go for the drop goal. It just, uh... <laughs> I think I think the thinking there is just, you just want to get that cushion, don't you? You really want to get that yeah. cushion. But there was also, did you, it's, it wasn't a big, it was, I was confused by it. Did Finn Russell try to drop goal, didn't he? From like the on, left yeah. side, from the yeah, left yeah. side of the 22. And I don't even think there was a penalty, was there? I think he just tried it. He just he went for it. And just pulled it right. Um, so yeah. So going so going back to how we think Scotland will fare in the rest of the Six Nations next week. We have Wales. 
What's your thoughts on the upcoming game? Wales obviously managed to get the win over Ireland, albeit Ireland did go down to 14 men very early on. They, they showed a lot of promise. I think if Ireland had 15 men on the pitch for the full 80 minutes, they definitely would have come away with the victory. Yeah, I agree there. I mean, I thought I thought Ireland with 14 men, actually, aside of that period, little period in the second half where Wales scored their tries, I thought Ireland looked awesome with 14 mm. men, actually. I think they, they're going to be a handful. And I, I think Wales all, you know, consider themselves probably quite, you know, obviously fortunate with the red card, um, albeit very deserved. But it, it's one of those, I guess, heart sinking moments where you know that the game's going to be, you know, with someone being red carded too early, the game's going to be heavily changed. So, um, but I guess one, one thing, sort of getting back to Scotland with this is, uh, you know, Wales, yeah. Wales had a lot of injuries. They, um, they they looked a bit stuttered. They've only got six days recovery. Lost the, you know with before next game, which means Scotland start. Uh, you know, probably in most people's minds Scotland starts as favourites, which um, which is always <laughs> a scary thing. You know, as soon as you get the as soon as Scotland yeah. get that favourites tag, it tends to you know it can create a few problems. So uh, I think we've just got to be you know our you know, this week this 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 week's training and this week's discipline and prep has to be so good. I think we've probably lacked that. You know, you look at England's run of what eighteen plus games or whenever it was, they were always thinking about the next game. You know, they just forgot about the win. And I know it's hard to forget about beating England in their home turf, but they, they, that's just they've got to do that and just think Wales, Wales, Wales all week um, and just. You know, improve improve yeah. that um, sort of clinical edge, like you were saying earlier. Will um, you know, and, and scoring the tries where they can, you know, Absolutely. and they've got it in them. You know, we should it, yeah develop that winner. Win yeah, they can put. I I honestly think they can put twenty points on Wales, um, but just you know, get they've got to play that attacking game better. You heard it here first, Ian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they played like they did on Ian's Saturday, prediction of twenty points. Absolutely. I think that's um, <laughs> bold. I, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, yeah I think that's coming. Cool. That's coming from a that's coming from a Scotland fan who's yeah. just beaten England. Um, and yeah, if it is twenty points, I'll uh, I'll take my <laughs> hat no off problem. to you. I think I think Tim I think Tim said it best as well. I think watching that Wales Ireland game, Wales never looked that convincing. Their team is relatively new from a coaching perspective, but also in the way that they're trying to establish themselves. I've never seen George North play outside centre in my life. <laughs> and yet he was found himself there on Saturday or Sunday even um, and I just think the amount of injuries they've had is it's change, It's going to change their look again so it's going to It's. I never like to think that injuries are a good thing um, but I mean it makes, Scot- it makes Scotland's preparation a bit harder in the sense that they don't know what the Welsh team's going to look like but I think they'll be lacking in experience. And I think if Scotland can show up the way they did this Saturday, then, Ian, I don't think your claim's so <laughs> too far-fetched. But yeah, I'll go, if I had to put my... I'd say, I'll say 15. I'll be conservative. I'll say 15 and uh, Scott, uh, Stuart Hogg misses every single conversion. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's, a, that's a good point, actually, of... Um... Halfpenny is a very good kicker. If uh, if Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg aren't aren't kicking well, then that could uh, could be detrimental to Scotland. But yeah, like, like you like you all said, if they if they play like they did on Saturday, they're uh, yeah, I, I can't see them losing. But uh, then again, it is Scotland, so I'm, I'm touching wood as I say this. 
one of the things about the Six Nations is though is that you you, you know you you know England will be looking to be better than they were last week, and as I say, Scotland obviously will want to keep that you know, but there can be big switches from week to week. So you you know you've got to really you know you just because you win one week, you're not guaranteed anything the next. You know, it's uh, you're going to really have to work to get that win over Wales. Uh, as I say, they'll they'll be competitive, um, but I think Scotland can do it. You know, and if they start off with two wins, then they're in a, you know, that's a healthy position to be in the in the in the, in the case of the championship, isn't it? So absolutely, if uh, if Ireland managed to do one over France, then Scotland <laughs> will be at the top of the table two weeks in for uh, no no screenshots on the group chat will go up by two hundred percent. What are you saying, Tim? Ian said twenty points. Chris has said fifteen. Uh, Oh, I'll win that. I'll, I'll say 10. I'll say 10. Ten to Scotland. But, uh, as I say, I think it's, uh, you know, if Wales stay close, you know, pressure, who knows, as I say. I guess, you, Chris, you'll be pleased. You'll be happy if England managed to sort of scrape away. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Eddie Jones is probably breathing a sigh of relief that it's Italy next week, um, rather, rather than the French yeah, or the he... Irish. Um yeah, I think yeah. that gives them a chance. Hopefully, I mean, I say that <laughs> might be in my words this next week if Italy pull off the upset. Well, getting back to that, though, in some ways, in some ways, that's what I mean about you know saying about Scotland's performance so good. When you when you've got a bad, you've had a bad performance, you know, part of the coach, it's probably easier to be able to build it up and you know know the things you've got to work on to get better. And you know, as I say, so so probably Eddie Jones will be you know, looking for a bounce back from that. Yeah. So. I watched the Super Bowl last night and obviously went to bed about half three, four in the morning. And I, yeah, watch, I watch it every year, whole, whole thing, long. everything to do. I just love staying up for it. Um, and I get a call this morning at half nine. My phones go mental and I'm like, what in the world? And I read it and I read the tea and I was like, why the hell is Tom, my flatmate, phoning me? So I answered I answered the phone and it was Tubby and I was so tired I didn't recognize it and Tubby went all right mate and I was like Tom it's not half 10 yet why are you phoning me <laughs> and Tubby Tubby was like oh yeah you were watching the super bowl are you free for this podcast and I was like what oh today yeah fine just text me mate <laughs> That was... You should have gone for the whole hog, Chris. You should have just. Oh, I know, I know, I should have. But it's. Uh, oh, but I think it would too. have rendered me absolutely motionless today. Um, <laughs> I took the day off. I didn't work today, but uh, <laughs> looks like England are in a good position for that one. Anyway, that's the second podcast. Cricket. So it was a good weekend of sport, all in all, and uh, appreciate that that story, Chris. That's. Uh, I think that's an ideal note to to end the podcast on. So thank you very much, guys, for taking the time to share your thoughts on the game at the weekend. Uh, I'm I'm still buzzing after the result. They uh, <laughs> still play for uh, for actually cracking on and, um... and, and setting it up, though. Eh? It, it, it was a bit of a bit of bit of bit of a bet, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> started off as a joke uh, during our um, pub quiz over Zoom last week. Uh, I said it. I said it as a joke that I was going to be doing a pod uh, podcast. Here we are. And, um, yeah, the, the boy. <laughs> yeah. <week> on. 
that no one, no one forgot. So uh, it's really thanks Not to you guys that it's come together. Hence, hence your appearance on the episode number one, the debut show. Uh, I like to think the debut was as good as Cameron Redpath, yeah. but uh, I don't want to but, get ahead uh, of I look forward to getting called back. I'll be sad if I don't. <laughs> yeah, let's hope there is some uh, interesting <laughs> stuff in amongst that uh, hour of nonsense. Absolutely. No, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot. And um, yeah, hopefully we can, we being Scotland, can have another great result at the weekend against Wales. So Ian's saying 20 points, Chris is saying 15, Tim is saying 10 points. Uh. I'm going to go with 12 points. So nice. we'll right. see you next week. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, mate.